Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys. Richard Dreyfus to Stand By Me, River Phoenix to Explorers, James Cromwell to The Green Mile, Jeffrey DeMunn to The Shawshank Redemption, Gail Bellows to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Javier Botet, It. state of Maine. I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. One for each of your victims. So be it. Andy came to Shawshank prison in 1947. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy first time I laid eyes on him. He had a quiet way about him. A walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. What are you talking about? Hope. Hope. That's a dangerous thing. Damn it, dear friend, you're putting me behind. Hope can drive a man insane. You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not. You better get used to that idea. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Get busy dying. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. That's damn right. So, anyways, then he forgot the toothpaste. So we had to improvise. We used to, <laughs> we used Astro Glide to get the dentist chair out of the batting cages. No shit. How did you guys not get arrested? <laughs> Oh, no, no. We almost got busted. <laughs> Hair's breath. But uh, you could tell the cop didn't want to admit to knowing what Astroglide smelled like. And uh, when I pointed out that he'd have to put that on an official report. Okay, hang on. Was this before or after you guys faked your way into that announcement? <laughs> oh, thank, thank God I never thought I'd get out of there. Oh, Jesus. Guys, I know what I'm going to say may sound crazy, but I'm the real Tom. Tombot kidnapped me has been pretending to be me for weeks. I know that this must come as a shock, but trust me, I'm the real Tom. <sighs> yeah, we know. Wait, what? Yeah, we've had him on mute since the start of the episode. Adding cocaine to children's cereal would benefit those afflicted with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in schools. Yeah, let's face it, it wasn't much better before the electric chair. Well, I guess now that we have the real Tom back, do we want to pick things up and start? Wait, 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 wait. You both knew I was missing this whole time, and you did nothing to save me. Well, you've been working so hard editing, and on top of that with your regular job, we figured you could use a vacation. Wait! Vacate. I've been chained to a water heater for two weeks. You got a sauna? You lucky devil, whose butt did you kiss? I had to survive on cockroaches! My god, do you know how much a meal like that would cost at a five-star restaurant in Europe? Do you know what I had to do to get out? What I had to go through to even get here? A prison break! Ooh, guys, guys, that would play in perfectly with our episode today. Okay, Tom, use that energy for this episode. Channel your inner Tim Robbins. Be the Tim Robbins. Can I go back to the cellar? Yeah, sure. I think Tombot's got you covered. We're replacing prenatal vitamins with a nicotine supplement and promoting smoking during pregnancy increases marketing towards humans age seven. Uh, maybe? Let's just start the episode. <laughs>
Hello, bots and listeners, and welcome to another episode of the escapism known as the Fire Pit. I'm Josh, British name Reginald, and we've reached the halfway point on our field trip to Kingtown. And after last week's intense and electrifying... Shove it. Romp through the Green Mile, we set our sights on a more lighthearted affair. And as per our rules, we've taken an actor or actress from the last film and moved them here. So to tell us about what we're watching and who we're watching, I'm going to turn things over to Tombot. I, I mean, Tom. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mistake the two of us. Thank you, Josh. I'm Tom. Not Tombot. The Tom. British name, Thompson. And in Dome sales. And insurance. Human lifelong sales. I'm Tom. British name, Thompson. And last week, we watched Zephyrin Cochran's wife get cured by Michael Clark Duncan, who then got put to death for his efforts because American judicial systems. One of the guards that tried really hard to not cry and failed while the former kingpin was being zapped was Jeffrey Dumont, who will be following tonight in the Shawshank Redemption. And though Josh was hoping for a lighthearted affair, <laughs> no. No, we get busy living and get busy dying because we're in for another heavy emotional affair. And to give us a rundown on the film and that affair, Dan is on rundown. Dan is on rundown. Dan is on rundown. Stop that. Dan? Thank you, Tom Butt. Or Tom, it's getting harder to tell. <laughs> I'm Dan, British name Nigel. And yes, tonight we are watching The Shawshank Redemption, another movie based on Stephen King's work on our field trip to Kingtown, and a first for the fire pit, and that we're following a director for one movie to the next. Not the first time we've seen the same director on our podcast. That honor actually goes to Joe Dante, who did both Inner Space and Explorers, two movies we've already covered in previous episodes, one of which was on the same exact field trip. This, however, is the first time we've done the same director back-to-back, as this film is directed by last week's director, Frank Darabont who did write the screenplay for this movie after buying the rights for a measly $1,000. Stephen King and him are friends. So Stephen King hooked him up. Yeah. Stephen King hooked him up. I was going to say, I would have fired my guy for that deal. Yeah. Well, Stephen King's actually notorious about doing that. Like if you're a film school student and you write Stephen King, he will sell you the rights to make a student film off one of his properties for like a dollar. I smell get-rich-quick scheme, guys. Student film, Tom. We Everybody yeah. knows student films suck. Yeah, and do not make us turn Tombot back on. Yes, yes. Because we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll be good. Thank you. Anyways, Frank Darabont directed this movie, wrote the screenplay for it. It was released on September 10th, 1994. Or actually, a uh, correction, full United States release on September 23rd, 1994. Its uh, budget was $25 million and had a box office return of $58.3 million. So more than doubled its money, I guess. That's that's pretty good. Um, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90% and an IMDb rating of 9 out of 10. So not bad. It competed at the box office with Forrest Gump and quite a few other movies. Big movies, too. Uh, Natural Born Killers, Clear and Present Danger, The Next Karate Kid. So, okay. Well, now we know why I didn't win. Ugh, just seeing that movie's title sends a chill down my spine. Oof, that was a rough movie. Oh, it also competed with Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, we can see why it lost. But the time has been good to this movie. It makes top lists on AMC, IMDb, internet sites everywhere have always listed this movie as one of the best of all time. It's regularly quoted. It's constantly on TV, whether it's on TNT, which is where I think the movie found a lot of its audience, Mm -hmm. or one of the Turner channels like TBS, TNT. And I think you can actually find it on all the streaming sites right now. So Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, like they all got it. It's kind of like Law & Order like that, where no matter where you are in television, there's a network that's playing an episode. And I can attest to that. I've been channel surfing before and and have come across this movie many, many, many times. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know one thing that I was reading about this film, actually, I saw this in an interview with Morgan Freeman, that one of the big things that actually hurt this film was word of mouth. 
and not negative word of mouth. It's like everybody loved the movie. They just couldn't remember the title. So it's like, yeah, I saw you in the hippity dip or dip it. You were in that movie with that guy where you did that thing in. Yeah, it was. Oh man. It was love that movie. It was great. The, uh, redoption, the sheep shear ridicule, uh, shoobity doo bop. Yeah. So apparently people couldn't say the name. So they, when they recommended it, people like, See what? Because I know the movie just did shite at the box office. It premiered at 13, and the highest it got to was like its third week of release. It reached eight. I was reading somewhere, too, after the Oscars, they re-released it. And yeah, it made a little extra cash. Amazingly, well, not really amazingly, this movie is considered one of the best of all time, but did not actually win any Academy Awards. However, that's because Forrest Gump won all of them that year. Yeah, well, you know, nostalgic trip through 1950s, 60s America, or gang rape in a prison. Mm. That's a hard, hard decision to make. Dude, yeah. 94 was an epic year for movies. Like, I put the screenshot of that list in there. Flintstones, Little yeah. Rascals. I mean, the next Karate Kid. Seriously, though. It came out the same year as Jurassic Park, True Lies, The Mask. I already mentioned Natural Born Killers, Forrest Gump, Clear and Present Danger. Yeah. This was all in the box office at the time of the, this movie's release. Although I'm not just a little quick tangent. I'm surprised quiz show got as high up on that list. That yeah. Was, I, yeah. I don't, that's genuinely shocking to me. Yeah. I don't even think I've ever heard of that. Exactly. Number four on your list and Shawshank is number 13. And which one do people still talk about? I think what's quiz more show. impressive is the fact that the week prior, it was number 16 on the list. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just one of those bizarre things you look back on, like, how did you people not love this great film that we all love today? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Nobody knew what movie to see. It's like, dude, I saw this awesome movie at theaters. The Shimmy Shock <laughs> Sammy <laughs> Dammy. Yeah, it's, it's got Morgan Freeman and, and uh, Susan Sarandon's boyfriend. What? It's, it's a melodramatic thing about the thing. Oh, okay. Hey, dude, Forrest Gump was awesome. Thanks yeah. for recommending it. I went to the movie theater and saw that Tom Hanks movie you were talking about. Oh, no, I said Tim Robbins. Oh, oh. Ah, well, I'll see it next week. What was the name of it again? The Next Karate Kid. <laughs> Moving on from really bad Hillary Swank movies. <laughs> Nigel, uh, what expectations do you have out of this movie? Actually, you know what? This is going to come as a shock to everyone. I have never, ever seen this movie all the way through. I have oh, only, shit. yeah, oh, I've shit. only seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen scenes that people play on YouTube or on AMD or whatever all the time, uh, but I have never actually sat down and watched this movie from beginning to end. I know oh, I've did. seen it, no, I, but I've seen the beginning of the movie and I've seen the end of the movie and I've seen bits and pieces of the middle, but I have never sat down and ate the whole dinner. Like I've never had all the courses at once. And I didn't realize that until I was thinking about this movie last week while we were watching The Green Mile. That I wait a minute, I've never seen Shawshank all the way through. So just like last week, my expectation was I want to see what all the fuss is about. That's my same expectation for this week. I want to see what the fuss is about. This movie constantly comes back up as best of all time. It's my cousin's favorite movie ever. Like she watches it all the time. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie finally all the way through you want to make sure that when pieced together in a cohesive whole it holds up yeah exactly i've seen the end of the movie i know exactly how the movie ends and i've seen the beginning and i know the beats of the movie so to speak and i know like the the, some of the famous lines about the whole get busy trying or get busy dying or whatever Mm -hmm. like i know those lines but i've never seen the movie i'm genuinely shocked by that like honestly it's one of those things i wonder if it's like it's so embedded in pop culture that you've seen the movie without actually watching the movie kind of sort of yeah when you presented this list josh and i said oh i love green mile and i love shawshank and i'm like wait a minute i've never seen shawshank how do you know if you love it or not well everyone else loves it It's one of those movies, I, and I think it's you're right. It's so ingrained in the pop culture. It's so ingrained in zeitgeist that it's a movie that I've never seen all the way through but can tell you the entire plot. This is incredible. Another well, situation where two of us have seen it, but one person's kind of going in blind. Nice. Blind-ish. It's like, yeah, like I said, I've he seen... was wearing one of those sheer bandanas when they were playing Heads Up, 7-Up. 
Yeah, and like I said, maybe like all the parties I've been to, all the waiting rooms I've sat in, all the times I didn't change the channel on the TV. Maybe I have collectively seen this movie all the way through over the last several years since it came out, but like I've never sat down and actually watched it. Hmm. Or do you have any fears or concerns about being disappointed by watching it all the way through or anything along those lines? Um, I'm kind of afraid that it's not going to live up to the hype. Because, like I said, this movie is one of those that just comes across all the time as the best movie ever or one of the best movies ever. And I'm I, I'm kind of like, will it be? You know, so I don't think it's going to be a bad film. I just don't know if it's going to live up to the hype for me. Oh, well, I hope it does. Um, I know it lives up to the hype for me. Anywho, Thompson, what are you expecting out of this? Well, I'm I know last movie we saw, Green Mile, I didn't want to be hard on it because you know, was comparing a prison film with a prison film. There were different things. But the more Green Mile just sits on me, the more I I'm not liking as much. So I wanna see why. I'm not going to make it a retro introspective about Green Mile. I want to see what, by contrasting it against Green Mile, why this is a classic, but maybe Green Mile isn't. I think it's an apt comparison, though. I think it's apt to compare the two movies. They're both about prisons, and they're both directed by Frank Darabont, and they have a couple of the same actors between both movies. And they're both based on Stephen King works. To me, that's comparing similar restaurants to each other. Like, why is McDonald's better than Burger King, so to speak? Yeah, I agree. I think they're... I don't want to make this next comparison because these are not sequels. It's almost like comparing two sequels directed by the same director. Like, almost Jurassic Park to the Lost World, but, like, it's it's a terrible comparison, but the same effect. It's like two movies about similar topics by the same director to see how well they are done comparatively. And like I said, I'll try not to be too much retrospective on Green Mile. Anyone wants to hear my thoughts on that, they can go back and listen to that episode. I'll try to keep it just focused on Shawshank. But yeah, that's going to be my thing. And also, well, no, I can't really say, you know, compare and contrast to the short story. I read the short story years ago, and I have since seen this movie many, many times. So I can't even, you know, say if it holds up or anything like that to the book. But am I going to enjoy this? Oh, of course I am. Come on. This is my 30th time seeing this film, and I'm still looking forward to it. So, Reginald, though, what about you? Well, I'm in the similar boat. You know, I repressed my memories of watching Green Mile, apparently, because as if you listened to last week's episode, you'll realize that as I was watching it, I kept remembering every single thing that happened and slowly remembering that I had watched that movie. Okay, I have seen this movie all the way through. I'm remembering a lot more about it every time, like, more scenes progress. Yeah, I do not want to watch this part. Yeah, I'm interested in doing that similar comparison, but, you know, I I just know that this is a good movie. It's easily one of my favorite movies. It's probably one of those movies I'm like, why isn't this in, like, my top five type movies, too? I really don't have a lot of expectations because, like you, I've seen it 30-plus times. I've pretty much bought this movie on every medium in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. There are no surprises for me. I know what I'm going to expect. You know, it's like I'm going into the restaurant and knowing exactly what I order because I've ordered it before and I enjoy it. Whereas Nigel's only had the ingredients or the pieces of this pizza. We've had this pie before. We know what we're biting into. More like I've had bites of the toppings, not not even a slice of the pizza. I need to actually eat a whole slice to figure out if this is any good or not. Yeah, so Josh mm-hmm. and I are going in to enjoy the pizza and also enjoy Dan enjoying the pizza. Yes. I think and- I'm going to like it. Like I said, I don't think this is going to be a bad film. And I didn't avoid it for the same reasons why like I've avoided Life Aquatic. I never saw Life Aquatic because at the time... Those movies didn't interest me. You know, Wes Anderson films just don't do anything for me. That wasn't the case with this movie. That's just, I don't know, maybe looking at it now, looking at all the other movies that came out in 1994, maybe just got lost in the shuffle with me and I've never Mm -hmm. sat down to watch it. And then over years, I just kind of assumed that I've seen it because I've seen bits and pieces so much on TV all the time. Having us talk about what we're expecting kind of beautifully segues into what other people uh, thought about the movie after they watched it. I think Dan has something on that for us. I do. I do. And this movie is beloved by all except for these people. (laughs) Okay. So what are the rules, Nigel? Well, I'll give you a hint. None of these reviews are 10 stars. All of them are five or lower. So you have to tell me if it's a five star Middle of the road review 
or if it was somewhere in between one and four. Okay. Do you want us to give you the I, actual number? I didn't want to read the good reviews because there's so many. But the bad reviews, I like to read them because they remind me of people who think the Transformers movies are good. So, um, like when I when I read like, oh, this movie is so overrated, it's so bad, and I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm sure it is. I'll bet you thought Batman v Superman was smart. So you've designed this to piss us off. Thank you, Nigel. Yeah. So so that's that's the thing. Just tell me if these review is between one and five stars. There's there's no no positive reviews. They're all either middle of the road or outright negative. Okay. Okay. And price is right rules, right? Whoever gets closer gets the point. Yes. And uh, I'm I'm just gonna read the title of the review. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the first review is by someone named Sekiri. I don't know. I'm not gonna pronounce that right, and I don't care. They wrote this in 2005, so it's okay. Uh, am I missing something? I'm gonna say this is a two star. I'm gonna go three star. Tom is closest. It's a one star review. Ha! You tried to price is right me, but I outpriced is right and you. Ah! You did. You did. Well, don't forget that gonorrhea is the showcase showdown today. So. That's all right. I've got syphilis. That counters chlamydia. Do you want this competition? This is not Pokemon. Yeah. You got to stop trying to catch them all, Tom. They don't all cancel each other out when you get them. Tom, use chlamydia. (laughs) It's super effective at driving her away. Tom fainted. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. This one's totally misleading, but here we go. This one's by KDesign-1. Again, I don't care if I got the name wrong. They wrote this in 2006. One of the world's finest films. Josh... I am thinking, okay, one of the world's finest films. Is there any punctuation? No. Okay, so I'm going to go with a five. I'm going to go with, I'm going to slice the pie a bit here and go with a three. Tom is closest again. It's a one-star review. Jesus I knew I should have known. I knew I should have went with one star. The, The title says one of the world's finest films, and then it's, Totally, if you read this review, it's definitely an r slash I am very smart kind of writing in that the, the last line of the review is like, remember, an educated public is an informed public. Like he's trying to tell everybody why Shawshank's not that great of a film. And you're like, OK, OK, just please step in front of a train next time and save us all the trouble. You know, <laughs> he tells you the, the rating he gives it in the title. One. Yeah. The world's finest movie. Oh, damn it. Yeah, Shyamalan it, clue I totally yeah. missed. Like I said, it was absolutely an R slash am I very smart. Or I am very smart. There we go. Right, here's here's another one for you guys. I'm going to do two more. Pure Hollywood fantasy. Tom? Four. Three. Tom, close again. God five, damn it. Five star <laughs> review. <laughs> this is what you get. You try to play, you get played. Oh. God damn, I am 0-3. Yeah, there's a... Tom wins by default. Tom wins Still by finish default. it, but, you know, I lost. So, Tom, gonorrhea is yours. Okay. I don't hate this movie, but I hate the fan base. And they emphasized hate in the... Like, hate the fan base. Josh? I'm almost afraid to go. <laughs> what have you got to lose, man? Nothing. You've got the gonorrhea. Two. One. Josh is actually closest. It's a five-star review. God damn it. There we go. Tom, you gave that to me. I don't want your sympathy points. I don't want your sympathy gonorrhea. (laughs) I I gave you the clap, Josh. Come on. (laughs) You got something. Uh, One of my STD jokes never get old. Honorable mention. Honorable mention is uh, I loved how they said this picture is a ripoff from the Clint Eastwood movie Escape from Alcatraz, even though the two plots have nothing in common. Anyways, again, another case of the internet not know what it's talking about. Well, Escape from Alcatraz did come before Shawshank Redemption, but the only two things those movies have in common is they're about prison and about escaping from prison. That's where the similarities end, right then and there. That's, that's like saying both Top Gun and Independence Day are movies about pilots. Mm-hmm. That's it's only telling half the story, you know. We should but, know we had a whole road dedicated to those two films. Yes. So Tom wins by default. Therefore, Tom wins. Uh, well, he didn't win by default. He he won. Because, oh yeah, because, he won. He won outright. <laughs> he won. He won outright. 
Tom yeah. won outright, and uh, Tom's prize is that uh, maybe we don't replace him with Tombot this week. You know what? No, yeah, that that whole thing was bullshit. Tom, back to the cellar. No, I, I'm not setting me there. Tombot already sent me there. I'm not going back. Okay, for Tom, Tombot doesn't have a body. You know this, right? You locked yourself in the cellar. Wait, what? Yeah, what? Dude, I'm a software engineer. Hardware scares me. Do you think that I would actually build Tombot a body? But, so, so who was it that drugged me to the cellar? Nobody did. You walked there. <laughs> but who walked me there? Ominous huh. music. <laughs> Clearly you got yourself drunk and are very negotiable. But, but who got me drunk? You did? Tombot totally catfished you, didn't he? Oh, look, I need to start the movie. All right, I guess, Tom, pl play the music. <laughs> Did you not want the uh, ending to go with you being convinced to lock yourself up in the basement there, Tom? Well, he was, he was really convincing. <laughs> Welcome back to another redemptive episode of The Fire Pit. I am, as always, your interspersal host, editor, and fellow inmate, Tom. Listen, I can get you anything you want, just as long as you want nothing. Not a whole lot of nothing going on in this episode of The Fire Pit, that's for sure. We've gone from death row to hard time with the Shawshank Redemption. And it's only a matter of time before we reach it. And we're glad that you've decided to spend that time on this field trip to Kingtown with us. This is, of course, another classic film that we've all seen in some capacity. So if you haven't watched it yet, scan your channels, as I'm sure it's on there somewhere. Or just keep listening to us talk about it. It's appreciated. And speaking of on... How about we get on to some ads? And I'd like to especially plug, Jesus God, I'm going to stop using plug. It's now starting to get awkward. I want Mine's shaped like a heart. And now it is awkward. Rob's custom PCs, for those that are looking for a computer that has everything you kind of need and a little more at a reasonable price, I want to especially thank Rob's custom PCs for... The rig, I am currently recording this podcast and streaming these wonderful videos on Sync Lounge. My old laptop, uh, let's just say it was, it felt like it was 100 years old when I first got it. And Rob hooked me up. He has some basic designs, some custom builds that he has on his Facebook page. He was able to tweak one up for me based on my needs. He got me a good price. And honestly, I've had this baby for two weeks and I can't imagine what it was like to not have this. Not only is it great for podcasting, but it's also great for gaming. And if you need anything, just find him on Facebook. You can find the link to his Facebook page on the episode episode description each of us here can vouch for him as nigel has noted he has forgotten more about pcs than most of us will ever know combined give him a try i promise you you will not be disappointed of course if you want an ad of your own or just want to add your thoughts and comments just email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. That's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Just put fire pit in the subject line. And whether you're emailing for an ad, comment, recommendation, or what have you. And give us your 10 cents, which we'll take directly to the gumball machine and spend and never let you know. I mean, you didn't want to hear about those tasty gumballs anyways, now did ya? Again, that email's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Capital C, capital C, capital E, capital I, at gmail.com. But if you do want to hear about those tasty gumballs, you can join our Discord channel. Just go to our Podbean site, uh, firepit.podbean.com, and find the link to our channel 
And you can join others in chatting about gum and prison breaks and prison break-ins and all the ways we're right or wrong about movies. And of course, be sure to like and heart our podcast wherever you listen to our podcast and spread that fire pit love. Oh, and speaking of love, how about we check in to see how the team is loving this movie so far? Oh, Rosebud! Rosebud! I know the ending of this movie. It was a sled. Trying to get my Morgan Freeman impression down. My name's Morgan Freeman, and this is the Fire Pit Podcast. Now, see, now you sound like Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks to Basic 2 there, Tom. Yeah, that food definitely looks familiar. Probably the same one. Were we actually in prison? <laughs> I think we might have been. Sitting here trying to eat this cream pie, and friggin' video's not playing right. Oh, Giggity. God, so good. Giggity. So white and creamy. Are you guys <laughs> eating a cream pie? They're so good. Notice how none of us are responding to you, Josh. <laughs> what, I'm eating a Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pie. What are you guys talking about? It's not porn. <laughs> not yet. I thought it was a nice touch that they made you guys walk to your uh, cells completely naked carrying your clothes. I thought that was like, wow, this new warden's for real. Wait, what? I was <laughs> uh, just talking about the time Dan and I served our time. Yeah, t- Josh and I did a stint in the pokey. <laughs> Literally? No, well, Josh might have, because he came in and he had to walk to his cell naked, carrying his clothing. I had to stand on the railing and, and watch, and I pointed and I laughed. I flashed my I just thought, Yeah, he did. He did. And I was just like, man, they got to walk to their cells naked. And it's like, this this ward, this new warden's for real. Oh, oh man, now Lex Luthor's going to whip your ass. Oh, shit. Oh, balls. Go to sleep. Go, Go to sleep. sleep. Go to sleep, my little baby. Beat your ass and break your bones. You will shut the fuck up now. Oh, look at him. He's sound asleep in his blood and urine. Apparently, this this scene took about a million takes, and it took so many takes to get it right that the next day Morgan Freeman showed up for filming in a sling because he had to throw that baseball so many times. <laughs> Jesus, God. I suspect he's a rapist. Nah. Dan, remember when I went to the lockup? Yeah, I can tell, man. I can tell right when you walked off that bus, you didn't know where the hell you were. Yeah, I was just pivoting on my left foot, kept walking in circles. You had that wide-eyed look in your face? Okay, neither of you are from Alabama. Stop it. I have no enemies (laughs) here yet. All right, I'm back. Welcome back. You missed Tom talking about how much he loves eating cream pies, too. They're one of his favorites. All right, I got to go again. It makes sense that he has practice in faking documentations and how people disappear. He was the banker for a Nazi. Yeah. It really, apt pupil, he was the banker and the guy that helped out the Nazi main character. Oh. Yeah, we've been rooting for a Nazi banker. He never made a sound. That Got son of a bitch. Two packs of cigarettes. That's like $30 in today's money, man. Cigarettes know, right? cheap. Them damn homosexuals. See, this is what the Republican thinks being gay is like. <laughs> <laughs> like you just mind your own business, suddenly gays. Whoosh. Can you imagine being 40 years outside of time? The world passes you by in 40 years and they throw you back out into it? It's like if one of us went to prison and then came out and they had flying cars and teleporters. Yeah. <laughs> it was gone because of you, dickwad. Fucking cuntle discharge. <laughs> All right, guys, stop it. <laughs> Dan's trying to enjoy his clam chowder. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Damn, he's a good shot. Right? See that? It's that rifle he used. Good old-fashioned American rifle. Flex that Second Amendment right. Josh, you're a monster. Prison changed you. <laughs> That's the speech that gets him paroled? Man, he should have gone with that one 25 years ago. Checks the calendar. 1968. Man, I'm still fucked. And who would have thought shortly after uh, that happened, be fighting a bunch of dudes out on the basketball court? Just a couple of guys that were up to no good, making some trouble in your neighborhood. Prison. It was prison, Tom. Yeah, there's no sing-song, dude. Okay, we watched a guard get shanked with a kitchen knife. So don't even come at me with this sing-song Fresh Prince shit, because that's not what happened, all right? Yeah, you don't know what it's like to be a lookout for a guy. Yeah, or, or to stick a broken broom handle in a fan so that the other guy can crawl through. You know what that's like, Tom? Knowing that a pipe that you're holding is the difference between one man and a half a man? 
Like, holy shit. No, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't know you went off with that. Jesus, it must have been terrible. How long were you in? Oh, we logged off shortly after that. Yeah, so. yeah. Was only, I think we I think we was only about, like, maybe two hours. So this was a video game. Yeah, there was a game that Josh was trying to get us to play over the weekend. All right. I'd love to keep chatting your ear off, but if you'll excuse me, I have a movie to escape back into. Thank you for listening, and as always, good luck. So Gil Bellows is actually the guy we're uh, following next week. Is he now? Wait, which yeah. one's Gil Bellows? Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Oh! When you said the name, I'm like, that name is familiar. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I couldn't place it either. He goes from being an inmate to being a sheriff. Oh. So all those gunshot wounds were superficial. He survived, changed his name, became a sheriff in wherever. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie we're going to be seeing soon. So I don't think any of us have. Oh, so that's this, is dangerous. The, this has the potential to be the uh, swashbuckler of the, the field trip. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about. But hey. Every field trip needs one. No, I'd really wish it didn't, but, you know... I will have you know that our two highest downloaded episodes are number one, Dead Calm, number two, Swashbuckler. (laughs) Because when we talk about a good movie, we're like, oh, yeah, it was good. It was really good. This is why it was good. Everyone's like, yeah, we've heard that. But we want to hear why Swashbuckler was so bad. Uh, We watch it so they don't have to. Yes, and apparently our audience likes that. So we're going to disappoint them because this is another film that we all went in liking and we all came out liking. So yeah, this will be a boring episode, I guess. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you guys. We're going to talk about how we like this film. (laughs) All right, so we start off in a prison and the voice of God speaks to us because it's Morgan Freeman and Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins shows up with a bunch of newbies. Actually, no, we start off with Tim Robbins, maybe, maybe not killing his wife. I don't know. He's found guilty and he befriends Morgan Freeman while in prison and he starts asking for things here and there, a poster, a thing to chisel some rocks with. It turns out he's a banker and the warden, he makes friends with the guards by making himself useful say hey i can do your taxes and the warden and the guards find you know decide hey we're going to keep you around some rapes happen but they make sure that stops meanwhile morgan freeman continues to be morgan freeman with his morgan freemanness we follow them through the many many years of prison and the many poster changes we find out that tim robbins he was in prison for killing his wife and her lover did not in fact kill her a newbie comes in and says no he didn't and he goes to the warden and says hey i didn't kill her this guy says so the warden says we'll look into it and then he has the one guy killed because they tim robbins has been helping them with graft for the past 20 years and ain't no way he's letting him go but it turns out the warden wasn't the only one keeping a secret tim robbins has been using that poster and a pickaxe excuse me rock chisel to chisel a hole through the wall and out to prison and he escapes with all the secrets about the shawshank and redeems it by having the warden almost arrested until he kills himself goes down to sawataneo meanwhile Morgan Freeman, he serves his time, gets paroled, he joins them, and they all start polishing boats and own a hotel down in Old Mexico, and they all live happily ever after. The end. Feel Don't like I was feel- there. I kept it under five minutes this time. All right. Well, Nigel, you, what are you thinking? Hated it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Worst movie Worst ever. movie <laughs> Ever. Can um, we watch Transformers now? Come on, yeah, guys. One, yeah, one, remember Swashbuckler? Remember good films? No. Um <laughs> I had this is the first time I've seen this movie all the way through, top to bottom, beginning to end. And I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. In fact, you guys noted about almost to the end of the movie, you were saying, Dan, you've been awfully quiet tonight. That's because I was so engrossed in the movie that I actually kind of forgot I was supposed to be talking to you guys. So, yeah, really good movie. Um, My biggest takeaway from it is I thought the supporting characters 
made this movie that much better than just the two leads. I thought the supporting cast was maybe one of the best supporting casts I've ever seen in a film. Their use of using little-known character actors was fucking genius. Really, the only big names in this movie were Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. And Tim Robbins isn't that big of a household name. He, we know like him because... Tim Robbins watched, of Tim Robbins. I mean, we know him because we've seen a lot of different films, and Tim Robbins has never really been shoehorned into any particular type of genre. Like, he's not an action star. He's not a comedian. He's not a drama guy. He, he, he just takes roles, whatever suits him best. But I would say that the other actors in this film really made this movie shine because they were all little known guys or, or or not little known but not super superstars like we know clancy brown we know william sadler they're mostly character actors they mostly just pick roles based on a character and yes clancy brown almost always plays a tall imposing kind of grumpy grump but <laughs> he plays them very well and he plays them differently in every movie so I have to say the supporting cast, this might be one of the best supporting casts I've ever seen in a film. And I believe that if it hadn't been released the same year as Forrest Gump, it probably would have swept all the award shows that year. Now, was there anything in particular else that stood out for you, whether as a positive or a negative? One of the positives I had from it was uh, this movie's two and a half hours long and didn't feel like it was two and a half hours long. Whereas last week's film was three hours and it felt like three hours. I'm honestly trying to find some negatives from this movie, but I, I'm reaching. Maybe I'll have something by the time you guys have your final thoughts, but mm-hmm. I don't really have a whole lot negative to say about this film. And Reginald, I'm, I uh, see. I want you to go next Reginald. Cause I know we were talking during the film and you pointed out a few things that I had on my notes and I don't want to step on your toes. So um, I'll let you go next. And cause I've got some other thoughts that I know you probably aren't going to share, but you go on. Well, this is one of those movies where I have seen it a dozen times at least, but it's not one of those movies I dissect intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like I watch this with the intent of watching a good movie. It's like, I know I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to watch it. But mm-hmm. after I'd say one out of five viewings, I actually sit down and watch. Because, you know, we, we we talk about our laundry folding movies and how mm-hmm. The Green Mile will never be one of those. <laughs> right. But, uh, like, this is a good laundry folding. Because you can come into this movie at any point and pick up where, you, you know, where you're at. It's like, oh, okay, so this is the part where this happened. And you know where you're at. But one thing I did see this time, and mostly because my subtitles broke, <laughs> is the symmetry of the movie like literally folded in half the symmetry was actually really interesting and how a lot of the scenes lined up like when brooks was going through his whole institutionalized section that's when red was going through his there there was a few more but i didn't take notes of it but like in the instance of andy talking about his wife and stuff there was a part where i forget what the scene was they said something but the subtitle looked like it was a thought coming from the person speaking. I was like, I wish I should have taken notes, but I didn't even think anything of it until you pointed out. It's like, oh, that's the symmetry. I was going to mention it. Like, I didn't even think about that at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't want to break my my arm jerking this movie off. So uh, why don't you go in on it and then I'll interrupt you with whatever thoughts that I suddenly remembered. Uh, it's, um, I'm actually of this different opinion regarding this being a laundry folding film because there were times where the drinks were coming through me, but I could not walk away. Even though I'd seen this film a dozen and a half times, you know, it was hard to walk away from the film even during the quieter parts. It's this is this is a great film, and I warned that I was going to touch base with Green Mile in my compare contrast, and I'm glad that I saw both films because I would have been a lot harsher than it deserved. Honestly, I forgot that Tim Robbins character had a whole like sub arc where it said, Oh, he didn't kill his wife after all with someone else. This one kid, you know, can prove it. I, I, that was one smudge of fingerprint on an otherwise perfect pane of glass. And that was my big gripe about green mouth. But honestly, there is a lot of similarities between the two of them in terms of musical beats, act one, act two. But what separates Green Mile and Shawshank? What makes Green Mile a good film, even a great film, 
But what makes Shawshank a classic film is that Green Mile, well told that it was, was just crafted to make you feel sad. Like, here are these tragic things happening, and don't you feel sad about it? it yeah, there were stories being told, but at the, at the end, it was just there to make you feel sad. Shawshank actually had a story to tell. And that story was about a man rising out of his walls. It was about escaping the prison mentally, spiritually, and, you know, in the end, actually. You know, all the people in that prison, they were monsters and men, regardless of what they did or did not do. And that's what made it stand out so much more. It's This film made you cry, but there was there was a going point. There was aiming for something. And that's why I liked it so much better and why I will constantly watch it again and again and again. And additional thoughts uh, to, to add to Josh's parts. You know, you watch a film two dozen times, three dozen times. I mean, you really pay attention. You really pick up on the things like the subtle pepper they put into the bread, like the symmetry of the warden having his graft hidden behind a hole in the wall behind a picture and Tim Robbins having his giant escape hole behind his poster uh, that the warden killed himself with the same kind of gun that Tim Robbins character allegedly killed his wife with the fact that the warden probably never actually held a Bible in his hand otherwise he would have noted the weight difference of an actual Bible versus one that has a pickaxe inside of it you know, the things you don't really pick up on it was a rock well, hammer it still would have felt much heavier than an actual I'm just saying Bible it's not without. a pickaxe. You're right. It's shaped like a pickaxe. And on top you of that, what? he could have pulled the, like, that could have been before he actually etched it out. Because he like, was reading it, remember? This is who well, he was pretending to read it. Uh, all read no, he was reading it when they called the, the thing, and then he stopped and looked up. Then that was before anybody even walked into his room, right? He was pretending to read it, and he closed it, and we never saw any pages. And before that scene, Red did warn that, hey, by the way, they do like to do random turndown. So if they find this, you don't know me. I did not find this for you. You rat me out. I get you nothing from here on out. So it's easy to presume that in order to make sure it was never found, he already had sketched it out and hid it inside. At least that's what I took from it. They never did a pat down of them, so it might have been <laughs> hidden elsewhere. It's possible. But those are my thoughts. Well, now that Tom's done with his video essay, you know, I, I will uh, concede my point when I said this is a laundry folding film to the mm -hmm. point that, yes, this is a laundry folding film, but you're probably not going to fold any laundry. It's like, I'm just going to turn this on, but the laundry's just going to remain a mess on the couch. The wife walks in three hours later. It's like, you still haven't folded anything? It's like... Shawshank Redemption! Come on! <laughs> I know, yeah, I that, gave... that, that excuse doesn't work for me. But what about you, Reginald? Any additional thoughts? I mean, I know I kind of... I went the artsy route with this. You know, I uh, what what order were these written in? Was Shawshank written first or was... Uh... I don't, know what, I don't know what order they were written in, but I do know the movies that Shawshank the movies came, Yeah, Shawshank came out like five years wait six yeah. years six five years five Shawshank's 94. 94 yeah 94 yeah so yeah and green mile is 99 but uh it, it honestly it feels kind of like uh Shawshank had this really remember how like the past couple shows I've been t talking about how simple the plot has been mm -hmm. like stand by me was them walking to see a dead body green uh, mile was relatively simple Jaws was a simple plot. I felt like this one had a lot of depth to it. Like there was a lot of layers in this plot. And I think, like Tom said, the characters definitely added to that. There, there's a lot in this movie that just make it. It is a perfect storm of movies or of stuff in a movie. I don't state that as eloquently as you do, Tom. Or well, let me rephrase My bullshit ain't so thick. <laughs> well, one of us went to school half a semester English. of film school yeah i know i know yes and five years of english so obviously <laughs> so josh just to answer your question i did a google search while you were talking and green mile came out in 1996 and rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption came out in 1982 so gotcha. so that, that kind of lays into this point where it kind of feels like you know when a great author writes a single novel and it's amazing 
then they go to write their next novel and it's not as amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, not even... bad, but it's not as good as the original. Yeah, I mean, also Shawshank Redemption or Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, as it was called, was a short story. So even that, it's like he didn't have to pad it. He didn't have to, you know, stretch anything mm-hmm. out. Just, I was just merely making an observation where it kind of feels like they try to make it bigger and better than the pre the original one, mm-hmm. but it feels like like there's a lot more involved with the Green Mile, especially with the supernatural element. And it's like it, it literally is like, all right, now you need to cry now. You are sad, like you were pointing out. It's like that's what the director and the actors. Okay, these guys are crying and they're like reaching up and they're trying to pull the tears out of your eyes. Now you cry. Whereas Shawshank Redemption just it wasn't trying to elicit any emotional. Um, from you, you know, it wasn't yeah. trying to elicit that emotion. It's just like if it happened, it happened. I mean, you felt sad, but you weren't a blubbering mess. Right. You felt uh, mad, but you weren't pounding your fist against the walls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you felt those things in Green Mile, and it's like the way that they designed it was so that you were a blubbering mess and you were pounding your fists. Yeah. This one's just like, oh man, that sucks. Oh, that's bullshit. It's just simple shit like that. And going back to what Nigel said, each one of these characters in this film felt like people it may have just been the way the actors portrayed them too great character actors that they were whereas it could have been just the way the story was written green mile they all felt like kind of just sad character number one sad character number two yeah that's that was my thing like i don't think the acting in green mile was bad i'm just saying that this one the characters in this just really added to the story because like Green Mile at the end of the day, really all you remember is Tom Hanks's character and Michael Clark Duncan's character. And you might remember the fact that the warden's wife had a brain tumor that Michael Clark Duncan cured. You know, even the bad guy is kind of forgettable. Yeah. The bad guy is kind of forgettable, but in this movie, like I don't know the names of all the characters, but I just, they added so much to the universe. Mm -hmm. Like they just felt real. They didn't feel like actors reading off lines or actors playing a part. They really did feel like they were fellow prisoners in the prison. And the one thing I did like about it, this is also parallels uh, green mile. I like this about green mile too. Other than Tim Robbins, character, you don't know what any of them are in prison for. Yeah. I do love that. That's right. The the Tommy, the Tommy guy, they mentioned he was stealing TVs from JC Penny. That's what he got pinched for. But like Morgan Freeman mentions, oh, uh, 25 or 40 years ago when I my, that 25-year-old me did that terrible crime. I mean, it was a life sentence, but I had the possibility of parole. So at best, he probably did manslaughter or he was robbing a place and accidentally killed the person. And I, I like that. I, I kind of like that. It made them maybe human. It made them feel real. I like the light. Everyone's innocent in here. Mm-hmm. You know, there are no guilty men in prison, so to speak. That that old joke. And it's not like they tried to play it as a mystery either. It's just like these guys are in prison. That's all you need to know. We don't need to spell out all of their histories. Don't worry about their histories. Focus on the character. They don't even have a scene in the movie. Which, what are you in for? What are you in for? What are you in for? What do you yeah, like? That would almost no, be required no, today's cinema. Yeah, 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 exactly. If Shawshank was made today, I wonder if there would be a scene where they'd be like, "What are you in?" There'd be an exposition scene. Or they have to explain that, oh, this guy's a rapist, this guy's in for murder, this guy's in for manslaughter, this guy's in for this, he's in for that. Honestly, I didn't care what they were in prison for. That's not what I'm watching this movie about. I, I get they have to explain why Tim Robbins is in prison because he was the FNG at the beginning of the movie. He's the fucking new guy. Mm-hmm. So they have to tell you why he's in prison, but they don't need to tell you why everyone else is in prison. Like I said, that's the one smudge on this. I much preferred in the book that they never had any proof that, at least I don't remember they ever had like a bit where it was proved that he was innocent. It was always left ambiguous. Did he kill his wife and her lover or was he innocent? You just didn't care. It didn't matter. That's the one thing that really just kind of... I can see why they changed that for the movie, though. Because you didn't want to, they probably didn't want audiences rooting for a potential murderer. It's like, let's just, let's remove the ambiguity about it. Everybody gets their redemption. But, uh, you know, we, I know it kind of goes counter to the term redemption, but, you know, Red gets his probation, so he's redeemed. In a way, Tim Robbins, you know, Andy gets his redemption. Because he even said he felt like he killed her. Remember that scene when they were sitting out there? It's like, I killed her because I drove her away. So mm-hmm. in his mind, he deserved to be in prison. Sure. But after everything that happened, he was redeemed or whatever. 
And then that's when he's decided to finally escape. So, but then it was easier for us as the audience to empathize with him. Well, I was going to say, I think it was also changed for the movie because it also allowed the storytelling to unfold in a way that the warden gets to double down on being a dick and makes the audience root against the warden even more mm-hmm. than they already were. I can see why they changed it for the movie. I'm, I know I, I, I can go either way. I'm okay with, I'm actually okay with them making it that Tim Robbins is 100% innocent. Whereas in the book, they leave a little more ambiguous, but I can see why they changed it for a movie audience. Like sometimes it just, that has to happen. Yeah. And a little more narrative tension too. Cause in the book, it's just Tim Robbins characters up for parole, but the warden dicks him over because obviously he knows where the bodies are buried in a figurative sense and maybe a little bit of a literal sense this one it's a little more narrative tensions like oh this kid can prove he can get out oh we're invested he might actually be free because we as the audience don't know at all about that hole in the wall in fact even in the short story tim robbins andy dufresne i should say I think he told Red in a a letter, like, I was so afraid when my parole was up that when they cleaned me out, they would find that hole and put me back in in a different cell. But they didn't. So as a reader, you didn't know. But yeah, when it's like, oh, the kid could save him, you felt a little more invested. So movie-wise, it's like shooting the shark in Jaws versus letting it die of its wounds. It makes more sense. But at the same time. I don't know. I, I can see why you don't like it. I mean, it, it does, once again, it puts a nice little bow on something that maybe didn't need it. But at the same time, uh, from someone who's not read the book but knows the the change, I can see why they've changed it. Sometimes I can see why sometimes something gets changed from the book to the movie because it just makes more narrative sense in the movie because movies need to be structured differently. Yeah. Dijon Reginald, I think I've milked this cow as much as it can be milked. What about you guys? Anything else? I got something that I would like to say, though. Well, oh. it's, more of a, uh, it's more of a scary story, but we need to turn off the lights. Tom, oh. take off your pants. Wait, no, no, wait, no. Ooh, I like where this is going. Last time I did this, I wound up in a cellar. No. <laughs> but no, it's like, uh, Tom, do you want to tell us about what uh, we are watching next week? Well, Josh, Dan, get your teddy bears close and your flashlights ready because we're going to have some scary stories to tell in the dark. Ooh. Yes, that classic kids collection of short stories has been found and dusted off by Guillermo del Toro and adapted for the silver screen yes we're going from the horrors of prison to the horrors of just straight horror kid style oh dear god right yep it's hard oh to my believe god. this is already we... our fifth stop too yeah yep. fifth stop and Kids are, it's getting dangerous. It's getting really dangerous because we got scary stories and then we have it. So, have what? Um, scary stories. And then, <laughs> <sighs> it's never not old. It's never not old. <laughs> You're but, just sad you didn't do it. <laughs> anyways, thank you for joining us. Remember, you can find us anywhere where you get podcasts. So, iTunes. Uh, Amazon, Google, and most importantly, Spotify. And if you find us on any of these great sites to find podcasts, make sure you subscribe and like our podcast because they are keeping track of that and it does help the channel. We're also hosted on Podbean where you can find us on firepit.podbean.com. And if you go to the firepit.podbean site, you will find links to our Discord where you can interact with us, talk with us, and uh, tell us that our opinions are all wrong, whatever you want to do. But uh, join the Discord, let us know. And if you want to give us any suggestions for movies to watch or roads to go on, we're always open to not listening to any of that feedback. My wife actually gave me a prompt. It's like, maybe we should explain what Discord is, because not everybody is as well-versed in the interwebs as we is. Or yeah. Dis- Discord's a social media site like Facebook, except it's not clickbaity and it doesn't have a bunch of articles on it. But it's mostly a place where fans of a particular thing can interact. And there's all kinds of servers on Discord that you can join. There's servers for video games. I've, I've seen a server for James Bond movies, servers for like you know The Walking Dead and, and Star Trek, Star Wars, just anything. If you, you can find like-minded people 
and just interact with them in, in, in many ways. You can talk to them. They got voice chat. They've got chat rooms that you can interact with people. So that's, that's what Discord is. If you follow our link, you can create an account very easily and then it'll hook you up and then you can start in and join the discussion. Or if you just wanted to reach out to us directly, you can always email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com and give us thoughts, comments, just, you know, discussion points. Or if you want to just talk to your friends about us, just share it out and maybe you too can become a friend of the podcast. Reginald, actually, do we have any new friends of the podcast? Well, uh, we are in getting really close to our 300th download. But uh, our 100th download goes to my uh, friend Brad Boys. And who was our first listener there, Nigel? Oh, that would be Peggy, friend of the channel, longtime friend of the channel. Actually, uh, she didn't get a chance to listen to the latest episode, but I told her we're doing a special recording tonight, so she'll get a twofer next week, and she's going to be really excited about that. Excellent. There we go. And special shout-out to Sync Lounge for making this synchronous viewing possible. And a slight change in schedule from now on, uh, we will be releasing at, Dan? Tuesdays at 6 p.m. So look for us then, so we'll be ready and available for your Wednesday commute. What they said. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening to the Fire Pit Podcast. I've been Josh. I've been Tom. And I've been Dan. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a production of Curtain Call Entertainment, LLC. Good luck out there. Yeah, nice try. I'm not falling for this again. Fool me once. Come on, Tom. Can't you give me a second chance? You know you want to for all time, 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 time's sake. Yeah, all right.